Good morning and welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jillian Pelkey and I am super excited to uh, talk about the Word of God with you this morning. If this is your first time that you're listening, you can check out past episodes of the Activate Podcast at soundcloud.com or on itunes.com. We're going to pray and get right into the Word of God together today. So would you bow your hearts with me as we pray? God, I thank you for the opportunity to speak your word. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, speak right through me and that, God, people would hear your heart and your voice and your words and your ways, that, God, I would become less and that, God, I wouldn't be a distraction, but, God, your word would come forth. Lord, I pray for every single person listening that their hearts would be open to your word, that, God, you would take off any blinders that have so easily gotten on our eyes that we could see you and that, God, we could know you in a, in a real way. God, we want to be your disciples. We want to be like you. And so, God, I pray that you would open up our ears, open up our hearts to hear what you would say to us this morning. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, there are so many trends in the world. There are so many things that we follow, things that were once one way and are now another. There are so many things that are um, even fads or styles that we love to look at the 80s because the 80s has so many uh, funny, notable style choices, right? (laughs) From hair to clothes to scrunchies to strange, strange clothing. But it's so much fun to see those things come back into style, to come back around. Uh, There are trends of, uh, bigger trends of how things are moving in countries and how things are moving in the world. There are trends with with weather patterns. There's trends with the way people spend their money. There's trends with uh, gasoline prices. You know, there's so many things that we can follow that of things that fluctuate up and down, the things that change back and forth, and uh, things just never stay exactly the same. Wouldn't it be easy if if style had stayed the same? Since the beginning of time, I mean, we would be able to perfect the same outfit. We would all know what we're wearing. We would all know where we're at, and nothing would ever change. That would be pretty boring. It would be pretty monotonous, but it would be pretty easy to figure out. Here's the thing. The world is always changing. The church is always changing. If you look at the trends in how churches are even structured or decorated, uh, it's amazing. We have gone to a series of churches where they were all built in the same time period and by the same must-be group of contractors where they all kind of looked the same. You walked into a church and you're like, oh yeah, this is one of those churches and it all looks the same. There's a trend now with um, painting our, our stages black so that we can do Facebook lives. There are trends now with everybody's standing outside of a church building that says, welcome, now you're home. And they're all kind of look like the same signs and they all, you know, there are trends in the church. There are trends um, that infiltrate theology. Did you hear that right? There are trends that infiltrate theology. That means things that have come and gone, things that have been super focused on, and then things that have faded into the background. 
things come and go and change so quickly. Sometimes it's hard to keep up. We look at a younger generation and we think, how is this? We look at um, advances in social media and we try to stay on on topic or, stay, or not on topic, on, on task of like, okay, now we're doing Facebook. Okay, now we're doing Instagram. Okay, now we're doing Twitter. Okay, now we're doing something new. And sometimes we like to just throw up our hands and say, all right, I'm going to stop and sit right here. I'm not going to move with all these trends because I'm I'm happy right here. We kind of joke around about this, and I don't mean to belittle them, but you look at Amish people. Okay, we'll stay right here. And sometimes we joke around thinking, well, why didn't they pick another time period to sit and stay? Um, so many of us have picked a, a place to sit and stay. God's constantly changing, constantly moving. But there's things, there's the skeleton, there's the bones about Scripture, there's the promises, there's the truths of Scripture that, that don't change. The Bible tells us that God isn't uh, a man that he should lie. The Bible tells us that he doesn't change like shifting shadows, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is that thing that you can settle in on and say, this is going to be the same forever. This is, this is the thing that I, could, that I could stand on it. The Bible calls him a rock that doesn't move. And so the bones of Scripture, the truths of Scripture are the same. They never change. And we can bet the house on it, so to speak. We can put stock in it. We can know that it's not a trend. The Bible is not a trend. The Bible has been around through every fashion change. The Bible has been around through every social media trend. The Bible has not changed. It is the same. And so we can stand on the Word of God as truth. We can stand on Scripture and promise as truth that never changes. It's not a trend. It's truth. The Lord really hammered home this point to me this week, and I want to explore it a little bit with you out loud, thinking kind of out loud about this thought. And the Lord put on my heart Mark chapter 2. And I want to look at the end of of Mark chapter 2 and the beginning of Mark chapter 3 and really talk about what it means. So let's take a look. The We're going to go right into Mark chapter 3. We might go back to 2, but let's start at, uh, at chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. All right, so let's stop right here. We have the religious people, and they're looking closely at Jesus because they know he's a healer. They 100% believe that he miraculously heals people. They know that they know that they know that they know that he's healed before and he's going to heal again. They know he's supernatural. And so they're looking for a reason to accuse him. Let that sink in for a couple couple minutes. They're looking for a reason to accuse the supernatural person that heals people. They want to discredit him, even though they see the fruit of his life. They see the proof of who he is. They want to accuse him. This is true uh, in our lives, there are people who know that God has changed us, that God is working in us, that we call ourselves Christ followers, that we are disciples of God. We are disciples of Jesus. And they're looking into our lives and they know there's something good in us, but they're looking to accuse us. They're looking for us to misstep so they can yell out the word hypocrite. 
So they can scream from the rooftop, I told you so, you're not as good as you say you are. There are people in our lives that are looking to point a finger at us. I want to suggest that in our lives there will always be blind spots. In our lives, there will always be holes because we are not Jesus. We are not the son of God. We are not perfect. And so there will always be a place where someone could look and put a microscope on my life. They could take the intentions of my heart and take a close look at them. They can take the things that I say and the things that I do and the people I minister to and the ways I'm involved in things and they can microscope and they could look at it. And there's always room for them to point a finger because I'm not perfect. Here's what happens though. So many times we start to equate ourselves to perfection. We start to equate ourselves to being better than we used to be and better than other people and better than this and better than that. And this ugly little thing of pride creeps in like a little worm into our, into our minds and into our spirits. And we get this little bit of pride that says, I am amazing. And God believes that you are amazing. He made you special and unique and he loves you. But when you begin to elevate yourself in pride, it's so masked in other things. It's so uh, acceptable to other people. We have to be so careful to remember that our hearts are desperately wicked. That our intentions can be off. We have to continually find ourselves weeping before the Lord saying, God, reveal to me my blind spots. God, reveal to me the places where I am a hypocrite. Reveal to me the places where I am leading out of pride, where I want people to notice my good deeds, where I want people to notice me, where I'm looking for the approval of other people, where I'm looking for position, where I'm looking for a stage, where I'm looking for a microphone, where I'm looking for attention. God, search me. Know my heart. Know if there's any evil way in me. That should be our daily prayer, our daily daily prayer. God, look at me. Show me. Because here's what I've discovered with blind spots. We all have them. Every single person listening to this, you have a blind spot. You have things in your life that you do not see that's totally corrupt. And the only way to really heal the things that are corrupt in our actions and our thoughts and our motives is to spend time with Jesus. It's not a self-help book. It's not even a good Christian self-help book. It's not a counselor. It's not a friend. It's not over-talking it. It's not writing it out. It's spending time in the presence of Jesus and letting him giving you a blueprint of how to change things. It's letting him miraculously transform your heart, your intentions. But we skip the step of coming before God. We bypass that. There are things that are useful. All those things I just listed, books and people and counselors and friends and writing things out, they're all useful tools to accomplish what God said to accomplish. But we can't put the cart before the horse. We need to spend time in the presence of God and let the Holy Spirit reveal to us the very thing that he wants to change, the very thing that he wants to soften in our hearts, the very thing that will, will stop the accuser's finger of calling us a hypocrite. Because right now in my life and every day in my life, anybody could microscope my life and say, you're a hypocrite. Anyone could microscope my life and say, look, here's where you have holes. We tend to think that we don't have holes in our lives. We tend to think that we don't have anything wrong with us. 
But God continually wants to change us to be more and more and more like him. And the more we can be like him, friends, the more attractive we are to the world, the more light we can have in us, the brighter we can shine in the darkness. When we enter a room, things change because we've changed. But when we refuse to change our motives, when we refuse to get rid of that little worm of pride again and again and again, because it comes back and it comes back and it comes back. When we refuse to take an honest look at ourselves, our spiritual selves and say, God, show me how to change. When we refuse to do that, we look just like the Pharisees who look for that, that, that reason to accuse somebody else who have things in their their hearts and their lives that they are blind to. So easy for other people to see, but they're blind to. Friends, God wants to search our hearts. He wants to spend time with us to fill us up with peace, but also to change us to be more like Him. The more we're like Jesus, the more we can affect the world around us. So, the Pharisees here in Mark chapter 3, they're looking at Jesus... And they know who he is. They know he's a healer. They know he's miraculous. But they're looking for a reason to accuse him. There are people all over the world that are looking to accuse us as Christians in the big scope of things, but also personally in your life. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Now, Jesus did this on purpose. He knew that these people were trying to accuse him. They knew that these religious leaders were looking for a reason to say he was wrong. And so he said, well, let's do this here in front of everyone else. And the motive here is Jesus is trying to change their hearts and show them a different way. So he doesn't do this miracle in secret. He doesn't do this miracle on a different day. He does it on the Sabbath, and he does it in front of everyone. So the religious leaders were uh, sticking to this law, this tradition that they had made. And the traditions that they had for the Sabbath were a bunch of rules that they added to the truth of the Bible. So the Bible is the bones, the truth, the adamant rock that doesn't change. But these people, these religious people had added all of these rules. And they were, I mean, today's standards seemingly ridiculous rules, but they were rules about things like you weren't even allowed to tie a knot on the Sabbath because that was work. But a woman could tie a knot if she was tying up her undergarments. So you couldn't tie a knot to bring a, a water uh, a well from the well, but a, a woman could do it if she used her undergarments to tie that knot. You could um, carry things with the back of your hand, but not the front of your hand. You could carry things in your sandals, but uh, not on your back. Like All these rules that they had made that were particular and they followed adamantly, but they weren't rules that came from the word of God. They were rules that they had added on. The added on rules, the added on things that we put on, on people and on ourselves are the things that, that the Lord, I think, is trying to say, don't stick so heavily to these, stick to the, the word of God. And we think, oh, we don't have ridiculous rules like that, but we do. We have rules of, uh, of things that we just do because we think it's the way to go. We were talking earlier about trends and about fashion and about the way things have evolved and, and gone back and forth and changed. Well, the same is true in our, our lives. If we map out and look at our lives, we have a trend of, oh, we read the Bible every day at this time. We pray here. We do this there. We act this way to this group of people. I'm a Christian, so I automatically fall into this political party, and I automatically dress like this, and I don't wear this, and I act like this. and I. So where did these rules come from? They have to come from seeking the face of God, not from following what everyone else is doing. 
So let's get back to our story in Mark chapter 3. Jesus calls the man out in front of everyone on the Sabbath day. And here's what he does. Then Jesus said, asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. So they knew better than to answer because there was no answer to Jesus's question that would not condemn them. So they stayed silent. Jesus was trying to pull out of them. Do you see what you're doing is wrong? And I think today, sometimes uh, if we get quiet with God, he wants to pull out. Do you see what you're doing might be wrong? Christian friend, are you listening to me? Do you see some of the things that you're doing that might be wrong? Have you brought things before the Lord? Every little thing that you're doing, the way that you parent, have you brought that before the Lord lately? Say, God, give me wisdom for these children. God, give me wisdom for the children that you gave me. God, am I being creative in the way that I'm raising them? Am I being wise in the way that I'm I'm, I'm teaching and discipling my own children? Have you brought your job before the Lord lately and said, God, is this still the job that you want me to have? God, is there any way that I need to change this or, or move in this? Have you brought your church before the Lord? God, am I honoring you in the way that I act when I go to church, in the way that I worship? God, am I honoring my pastor? God, am I honoring the people that I attend church with? Is there anything you want me to change, God? Have you brought the way that you spend money before the Lord lately? God, here's my finances. Am I honoring you the way you want me to? Am I just doing what everyone else does and buying the cars like everyone else does and the sneakers and the sports equipment for my kids? Or God, am I, is there something else you want me to do? Do you want me to switch things? Do you want me to uh, help people in other countries? Do you want me to help my neighbor? God, what do you want me to do with my money? But we get so used to our routines that we become like the Pharisees where we follow just the ritual way of what we've always done. And I really believe that the Spirit of God wants to point out blind spots to you and to me. He wants to point out where a worm of pride has gotten in, where a a, a little bit of hypocrisy has gotten in and and, and changed just the, the, the raw beauty of the gospel. The raw beauty of the gospel is such freedom. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach the Pharisees here. And I believe that that's what God is trying to teach us. So he calls, calls the man forward. He says, you know, is it lawful to bring life on the Sabbath? Verse 5, Mark 3, 5, it says, He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. Listen to what Jesus was, saying, was feeling here. Verse 5, he looked at them in anger. He looked at them in anger. Are there areas of your life that God would look at you with anger? What are you doing with the money I gave you? What are you doing with the children I gave you? What are you doing with the home that I gave you? What are you doing with the church family that I gifted you with? What are you doing? It says he was deeply distressed. Here's what he was deeply distressed at, their stubborn hearts was deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. This is the way we do things. We've always done church this way. We've always done family this way. We've always done finances this way. Don't talk to me about those things. And Jesus says, I want to talk to you about those very things. Because they reveal the stubbornness of your heart. They reveal how you're following trends and not following the Holy Spirit. They reveal the truth of where your allegiance lies. Can you find that vulnerable moment to say, God, what do you want to do with my life? And dare to listen and say, God, whatever it is, 
whatever it is. Even before I know what it is, I'm going to say, yes, God, my life is yours. God, if you call me to be a missionary to a foreign country, my life is yours. God, if you call me to do something that I think is even harder than that, which is to be a missionary in my neighborhood, I'll do even that. God, if you call me to do something that I feel like is strange, I'm going to do it anyway. Because God, if your spirit says to do it, I know you're going to go with me. Or have we become comfortable in our traditions? Have we become comfortable in our American life? Have we been com- become comfortable in our just everyday? God, what do you want to do with my life? God, don't let me have a stubborn heart. God, don't let me be like the Pharisees who know that Jesus is miraculous, but choose to just not support him, not live for him, but instead just look at him from far away. When we're followers of Jesus, everything in our life is radical. Everything in our life is not normal. To be a follower of Jesus Christ is not normal. It's supernatural. It will bring you places and have you do things that you never thought of because they're supernatural things that you couldn't come up with. I've said it a million times. I'll say it uh, again. When Jesus called the, the disciples, they were fishermen in a boat. And he says to the fishermen in the boat, he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Nobody had ever said that before. It was something that they could never have come up with on their own. There was no book about it. There was no teaching about it. There was uh, nothing until Jesus spoke the word and said, come and I'll make you fishers of men. And he radically transformed their lives forever. God wants to do the same for you. He has a calling for you. He has something where he says, come and follow me and I'm going to have you do such and such. It's going to be different than what he's called me to. It's going to be different than what he's called anybody else to because he made you unique and special. There are people that you could admire and and look at the good in their lives and, and the Bible tells us to spur one another on through love and good deeds, but he doesn't say to mimic one another and be exactly like them. It talks so many times about the different gifts that he gives people. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. It's just a relationship with God that transforms our lives and puts us on a path that's unique for us. If we follow the flow of everybody else, we're going to end up where everybody else ends up. But God's called us out to be a peculiar people, a holy nation set apart to do great things that we can't even come up with. So Mark chapter three, five, he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Now that Jesus has healed this man on their holy day, he's gone against their traditions, not against the Bible, but against their traditions. And now they say, let's get rid of him because our traditions are at stake. Let's get rid of him because the way we've always done stuff is at stake. And it's so comfortable to wear the same clothes we've always worn. It's so comfortable to do the same things we've always done. We don't want anything messing that up. We're in a good groove here. Let's just sit here forever. Let's not try to listen to God. Let's not try to upset the way things have always gone. So they get another group of people and the Herodians are the ones that kill John the Baptist. And they say, now let's kill Jesus. Some of us in our own lives do the very same thing. We say, let's not get alone with God. 
Let's kill Jesus in our hearts. Let's put him to one side and us to another. We don't want him to disrupt what we've always done. We want our our little American lives to be our little American lives. And we want to just raise our kids this way and do this that way. We want to look like our neighbors. We want to act like our neighbors. We don't want to say anything unique. We don't want to do anything unique. We just want to settle into the humdrum. But God is calling you out today. He's saying, don't be a Pharisee. He's saying, don't have a stubborn heart. Would you listen to the Holy Spirit today? Would you get alone with God and say, God, what do you have for every area of my life? And be willing to yield your heart, to make your heart as soft and pliable as can be and say, God, whatever it is you speak to me, I'm going to do it. Sometimes it's a little thing. You know, the other day, the Lord was putting it on my heart to pray for someone, and and God dropped in my heart, grab her hand and hold on to her hand. I was like, that is the oddest thing ever. I am never going to just grab another woman's hand and, and hold her hand while I pray for her. I barely know her. This is weird. The Holy Spirit says, do it. And so that fight in my heart is a Pharisee fight. That fight in my heart says, no, Jesus, I want to see you from afar. I know you're miraculous, but I don't want to listen to you because I'd rather be uh, have my pride. I became like a Pharisee in that moment as I argued with God. And then I had to put to death either Jesus or myself. I either had to put to death my own pride or I could put to to death Jesus' voice in my life. And today, friend, you have that same choice. I went over and I held the hand of the woman I was supposed to pray for and I prayed over her. And you know what? I didn't die and she didn't die and it wasn't the end of the world. But what happened was an obedience of my heart, an obedience of my actions. It's not just talking about Jesus. It's doing what he says. It's getting alone to listen and then being able to obey. It's getting alone to listen and then to love people and to love God enough to do exactly what he says. It's not following other people. And yet it is following other people in the sense that we are people that listen to the Spirit of God and and do what He says. And so that may lead us in, in many different directions. And it's amazing when you see somebody who's following after the Holy Spirit of God. I was with a friend recently, and she was explaining to me that she was going to step down from a lot of different things. She says, I really believe that God's calling me back to motherhood and my family. And it was one of the most spiritual things she could say. Because the whole world is screaming at her right now to go and do this and go and do that and go and work here and go and be on this group and go and do this. And she listened to the Spirit of God that said, right now I want you to go and be with your family. All the world is screaming one thing, but Jesus softly whispers another. Follow after the voice of God and the whole world will be transformed. Because you see, in the next part of Mark chapter 3, it says there is a multitude of people that came to listen to Jesus. A multitude. There wasn't a multitude of people gathering around the Pharisees to hear what they wanted to say. There was a multitude of people gathering around Jesus because he was led by God. We have to make choices every single day. Who we live for. Who are we crucifying? Jesus or ourselves. And I hope that we're constantly crucifying our own pride. I hope that we're constantly crucifying our own desire to be uh, esteemed by other people, rather choosing to be esteemed by God.
esteemed by Jesus. I was praying earlier, and I just whispered to Jesus, Jesus, I just miss you. It's so sad when we get so busy. It's so sad when we get so busy that we don't have those deep moments with Jesus. And my schedule had to be rearranged this week, and I didn't get to spend my Monday day with Jesus. So I'm going to do it later on in this week, but I just feel like this, I miss you, Jesus. And I pray that that would be the yearning of every heart of the believer. Jesus, just to be with you. How can you do all these things if you don't have Jesus overflowing in your heart? How could you do any acts of service for people without Jesus? Then it's your own strength. Then it's your own doing. And it's so dry. And we don't realize we're so dry and empty until we get just a taste of the living water of Jesus. When we have a taste of the living water of Jesus, there's nothing else that can satisfy. Here's the thing. It's available to you the same as it's available to me. I am not a super Christian. Like I said earlier, you could microscope my life and you could find a lot of holes. But I'm aware of them and I say, Jesus, fix me. Every day I say, Jesus, help. Jesus, show me. The Spirit of God is poured out and we see it in Joel, which is an Old Testament prophet. And then we see it in uh, the New Testament when Peter says it's happening right now. The Spirit of God is poured out on every single person, regardless of social status, regardless of gender, regardless of nationality, regardless of um, position or power. The Spirit of the living God is poured out on all flesh. Meaning that if you find a place in your room or away or alone where you can say, God, will you speak to me? God, I want to know you. That's it. Listen, open your Bible and say, God, would you speak to me through this word? God, when I open this word and read it, God, would you by your Holy Spirit speak to me? And then spend time. Then spend time. I'm going to say it again. Spend time. American Christian, would you spend an hour? Would you spend two hours? Would you spend half a day? Would you take a vacation day and spend it with Jesus? Are you dry and worn out? Spend a vacation day with Jesus. Would you put yourself in a room for a long time and say, God, speak to me. Get rid of all the other distractions. Sometimes it can take me almost half a day to get rid of all the distractions and all the worries and all the thoughts and all the things turning around in my mind till I can finally settle and listen to Jesus. I have to try all kinds of stuff. Sometimes I write down all the things I'm thinking on a pad of paper and say, all right, God, here they are. Now I just want to focus on you. Because what Jesus wants to speak to us is supernatural. It's, hey, come get out of the boat and I'm going to make you fishers of men. We cannot conjure it up. We cannot think of it on our own. We can't just try harder. We have to find a place of peace in the presence of God. It's so beautiful. Because it has nothing to do with how much money we have. It has nothing to do with what our last name is. It has nothing to do uh, with anything besides the fact that Jesus gave his life on my behalf. And now I have access to the Father. I have access to the King of Kings. I don't want to be a Pharisee who sits and points the finger at Jesus, who knows that he's miraculous, but doesn't 
surrender my heart, who sticks to traditions. There's a verse in the Bible that says, Behold, I will do, I'm doing a new thing. So sing unto the Lord a new song. The bones of Scripture don't change, but the application of it or the way we present it to people does. It might be God saying, I want you to buy someone's groceries. It might be God saying, I want you to be kind and serve your husband. I will never forget one day sitting in the other room when the Holy Spirit told me to go in the other room where my husband was watching football and to take off his shoes and put his slippers on for him. Yeah, you heard me right. The Holy Spirit dropped in my heart, go in the living room and take off his shoes and put on his slippers and ask him if you can get him a drink. When we serve other people, a lot of times it comes from the Spirit of God. And that day that did something in our marriage and in our relationship that was so beautiful. And it's still to this day, sometimes I'll joke around, hey, you want me to go get you slippers? Because there was something that happened there that, that, that was spiritual that God knew needed to happen between us. The bones of Scripture never change, but the application of it, the things that the Spirit wants you to do, have to be told to you by the Spirit of God. And that's why it's a relationship with God. That's why it's so beautiful. It's available to every single person. So um, I want to pray and I want to encourage you to spend time in the presence of God. God wants to change you from the inside out, not from the outside in. It's not just us stopping all the list of sins that we can think of. It's God speaking to you or revealing things to you, things that you do not know. So let's pray. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is available to the youngest person that's listening to this podcast, to the oldest. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is is available to each and every person. That's not some super special thing that only a few people can get. There's no varsity Christian and JV Christian and modified Christian. No, God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that you call us all unto yourself. And Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit on those that are seeking you. God, I ask that you would unstop our ears, that you would open our eyes to see you. God, I pray against this Pharisee heart. God, I pray against this hardened heart. And God, I ask that you would soften us. God, I ask that you would open our eyes to see where uh, where we can be hypocrites. God, I ask that you open our eyes so that we can see what you're doing. Not what everyone else is doing. Help us to follow after you. God, I pray that we would be listeners of your, to your Holy Spirit, but we would also be doers of what you tell us to do. God, I thank you for all the ways that you're moving. I pray that you would set our hearts on fire, that we would be filled up with everything we need to serve you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. God, I pray that it would change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.